Hello everyone out there, this is Matt Halpern here with episode 19 of the Chocolate Croissants podcast. Woohoo, 19 episodes in, pretty fucking cool. Thank you so much for checking us out and giving this podcast a listen. If you have been with us for this whole time, all of these 19 weeks, we truly appreciate you. Um, the support and the feedback that we've been getting, the reviews, the star ratings, all of that stuff has been incredibly helpful and we are forever grateful. Um, as always, I'd like to give a quick shout out to everybody who is in our Facebook group. Uh, you guys have been fantastic. I love all the banter. I love the questions. I love the answers. and I love the support that's being shown. Um, there's some true, uh, truly good communication and some real help that I've seen there coming from different party members. And um, it just really means a lot. So thank you guys. It's, it's very, very cool. If you're not part of the group yet, Check us out on Facebook. It's www.facebook.com slash groups slash chocolate croissants. Later in this episode, Jordan actually talks a little bit further about the group, and we address some questions that came from the group for our guests on this episode. So um, that's another big perk about uh, of being in the group is that you can ask questions to the upcoming guests, and we'll make sure to uh, get answers for you as best we can. Um, I would also love to ask all of you beautiful listeners out there for a quick favor. If you're like me and you consume most of your content on your phone, I have an iPhone specifically, then uh, we would be infinitely grateful as well if you would click on your podcast app on your phone, open up the search and type in chocolate croissants. Once you do that, click on the big subscribe button at the top right of your phone screen. Once you do that, you'll be set to receive each episode that we release every Monday. You won't have to think about it and uh, you'll just have it right there waiting for you. We would really appreciate excuse me, appreciate that. It really helps us um, along with any reviews or ratings that you can give us. I'd also like to take a quick moment and thank our current sponsors, Rode Microphones. <clears throat> Rode continue to support us each week. I was actually talking to Matt from Road Mike. Uh, Road Mike's down in Australia earlier this week, and he's been super excited about the podcast, and we are super excited that we get to actually present this podcast using their products because it has really been a lifesaver for us. If you're curious to learn about Road's products, including their podcast microphones, the USB mic that I'm using right now, uh, and a lot more, you can go to www.roadmike.com. That's R-O-D-E-M-I-C.com. Or you can check them out via their socials at R-O-D-E-M-I-C. Now on to this week's guests. Um, I'm extremely happy to introduce these two amazing people. So we have a husband and wife artist hospitality team who have worked with literally the best of the best. And I mean like everyone. So as an example, Paul McCartney, Beyonce, Coldplay, Metallica, Elton John, and countless other amazing artists. And it's just so cool to have them here to share their story and all the lessons that they've learned through their work and through their journey as uh, individuals and as a couple. Um, this whole episode is incredibly inspiring. And to be frank, I was completely enamored with the whole conversation. Um, Jordan and Justin even will comment on that in the episode that I was just like so locked in this whole time. Um, one thing I will ask and encourage is that as you listen to the dialogue in this episode, um, do yourself a favor and think beyond just the words that you hear and the situations that they're discussing and try your best to apply the values and the lessons that you hear to your own work and to your own lives. There's a ton to be learned from this episode and these two people, man, I'm just, I'm, I'm privileged to know them and I'm, I feel privileged to, to have been part of this conversation. So without further ado, 
I'd like to present to you episode 19 of the Chocolate Croissants podcast featuring Andra, uh, excuse me, Andrew and Hannah Cohen of Coco Hospitality. Hi, Drew. If you have to pee in the middle of this, just do it on the floor. We're at Jordan's place. It doesn't matter. Thank you. No worries. Hey, Jordan. What's up, dude? Man, even Didi has better manners. Wait. It's Matt's triad humor. You guys have to share a mic today. We got this. They don't, the listeners don't know who Didi is. Can you explain? Pronouns, pal. So Didi is Matt's dog, Tyson. Uh, and Justin and Matt are the ones sharing the mic. And we are here with another power couple, Andrew and Hannah Cohen. Cone. Cohen. I've known them for like 12 years. Wait, but I've never introduced you guys like that formally. I don't even know what's honestly official. honestly I've been friends with you Drew for since high school. Yeah. And I still don't know your name. Like right. I'll sometimes call you Drew. I'll look in my phone for Drew to text you and it's in there as Andy. So what is that? So as of right now, it's just Andrew. Uh it was Drew from my family and then high school friends came along and called me Andy, not my choice. And that was when you met me. And then they started meeting each other in social situations, and they didn't know who they were talking about. So now we're just going by Andrew. Andrew. Uh, also, my father's name is my father's name is Andrew, and everyone calls him Drew. So when we started dating, it was very immediate that he was not Drew to me. So <laughs> it was it's been Andrew kind of from the get go, at least for as long as we've been together, at now, least in my eyes. Now Jordan is uh, is going to uh, he was going to officiate a wedding actually um, earlier this year and when Carly and I get married Jordan is going to officiate that wedding so now that you're introducing them can you show us what you got? Uh, Jesus Christ, <laughs> put me on the spot. I mean, I thought that's where you were going. So, can you go there? Well, the the one the one positive here is that they're already married. So you you you're not going to fuck that up. But I think I fucked up your last name already. And what do you have if not a last name? It's Cohn. Uh, Cohen. Cohen. Yeah. So you kind of got to roll with the H into the E. I'm, I'm down for anything. You say, hey, you, I'm there. See, that's what's confused everyone about your first name, is that you just allow anyone to pick whatever. Pretty much. It's probably time to take a stand. So I'm doing it here for the world to hear. It's Andrew Cohen. Remember it. It's official. So we're here with Andrew and Hannah Cohen. Uh, they are the owners and operators uh, and founders and uh, whatever other word. Coco Hospitality. Uh, they tell us that it's an artist hospitality firm. I've never heard the word firm used in that kind of context, but I think it's fucking badass. So congratulations to you guys. Um, so what, what, what is that? What, and why Coco? So Coco is derived from us joining together, she's now Cohen, I'm Cohen, so it's Cohen and Cohen. Now it also plays to the fact that we consider ourselves a concert concierge. We, as an artist hospitality company, are acting as a concierge to these artists that are coming through. So it works on multiple levels. I think concierge is a really douchey word, kind of like charcuterie, so I said it wasn't okay. But we know that the name kind of comes from that still. And charcuterie is legit. But saying that, like saying concierge in that context, actually, I don't think is douchey. Really? Yeah, I that think it's awesome. That makes me feel better. Okay, cool. Well, as an artist who uh, employs these services, is that something that makes you feel like you're 
getting something maybe more elevated in a service. I'm sorry. Do you think I'm in like a big band? Because we don't employ hospitality services or a concierge. We kind of just get shit like meat thrown at us and like some cheese sometimes. And they just let us sit in the corner and use a bucket to go poopy. That's about it at, at our shows. However, in the big time concierge or hospitality are terms that, you know, I think are fucking awesome. Ask Mark Holcomb. He'll tell you. We've like pooped in holes before. We've talked about this on the podcast. Well, we all have. I know. Well, that's true. Anyway. <laughs> so, well, well, okay. So, um, we're, God, man, you threw me off, man. All right. So, what is it? Okay. Obviously, I think people can gather that you uh, offer services for artists, but what does that mean exactly? And, and what artists? Who are the artists you work with? What services? What kind of concierge? Um, our company is kind of broken up into four different factions. Uh, the majority of what we do, kind of the, the backbone of what we do, is a dressing room hospitality. So dressing room and green room, VIP experiences, that kind of thing. If an artist is coming in and has a specialized list of things that they want, we're going to be the ones that go and shop for that and make sure it's there and make sure it looks pretty, be on site, be their person all day to get them whatever they need. Um, another part of that that kind of bleeds into it is catering for the crew and, and all the people that kind of come along with the artist. So in our company, a lot of the buildings we work in, uh, one of the, the main building we work in is MGM, and they're really set up to offer lots of food. So we're not really a caterer in that sense, but we can facilitate any kind of specialty artist meals through a chef or through some kind of a specialty caterer we bring in for different things. And the th if an artist says to you, hey, I want In-N-Out Burger... Here on the East Coast, that's very hard. On the East Coast, yes. But if you're, <laughs> I mean, so I'm, I'm wondering, I'm curious if you guys ever actually hire services out to go on tour with artists and act as like a, a traveling concierge. We would love to get to that point. It's one of our goals, I think, to get to that point. I'm sorry, I'm not talking close enough to the mic. It's one of our goals to get to that point for sure. We do a little bit of touring ourselves. Um, but at this point, we're trying to station everything and just really build it up regionally. So we're working in, in buildings and with promoters that are more regional. But you know, if there was an artist that was West Coast-based and really wanted an In-N-Out burger, we have chefs who would probably go and figure out exactly what's in that animal sauce and make it to the best ability they could. I'm going to move uh, to the West Coast and then hire you just so we can find a chef to do that for me <laughs> and not actually go to In-N-Out Burger. I want that right now. Cool. Awesome. So oh, it, you come off a bit modest in how you describe what you guys are doing, but one of the reasons why I'm so excited to share your story publicly is because, I mean, you guys, you just own your own business and you have contracts or deals with like Live Nation. And as you mentioned, MGM, uh, National Harbor, uh, I guess it's right outside of D.C. or it is D.C.? Uh, it's still in Mar it's Oxen Hill, Maryland. Okay. Beautiful Oxen Hill. Drive through D.C. to get there. Yeah, right, but right like a legit, like a multi, multi-million dollar complex. Uh, and what is it cap out? Like five, 6,000 people? But it's like an arena. Not even. It's, um, th they have a really interesting uh, model. They are bringing in arena and stadium-sized act. But the whole thing is predicated upon offering a premium experience. Uh, so they cap at about, I believe it's 3,400 people. But they just had the who mm -hmm. there. So they'll offer this experience you can't get elsewhere. Yeah. So they are trusting you guys to provide the artists that they book and promote uh, with world-class you know, artist hospitality. So like, that's no small feat. 
That's amazing. Especially with a band like The Who, who have been around longer than we've all been alive. <laughs> I mean, that's that's impressive. And so, I mean, the question I have, I want you guys to like brag for a minute. Who have you worked for or who haven't you worked for, for that matter? So right off the bat, our, uh, the person that we haven't worked for that we're hoping to is, uh, is Bruno Mars. Oh, but that's coming. We hear that's coming on our, like, yeah, yeah. spoiler alert, inside, inside scoop. Uh, but we hear that's hopefully coming, knock on wood. On Didn't the Bruno, did he, did he not come to MGM? I thought he did. He did. He did, he did opening night. But we, that was, they, w- they cycled through a couple different types of catering companies before they got to us. I think we were their third try. So we didn't come into MGM until I think February, which was their second month of operation. And Bruno came in in December. He was one of their first shows. And you guys do every show there or is it something that we do. We every do. show? Yep. Mm-hmm. And is that just contracted that you guys are the go-to hospitality for every single show? And does that run for a certain amount of time and they have to renegotiate or it's just open-ended? Mm-hmm. Yeah. As of right now, um, un- until they say we don't want you here anymore, we are their sole provider of backstage hospitality so and every artist that comes in every private event that comes in that has a um an artist that they've hired as well we are the people that do that so and that's wait, thanks to live nation yeah. like that's totally like can throw that out to begin with they're Absolutely. the ones who brought us in that building and we owe our company actually to live nation that's awesome yeah. that's really cool well okay but go back and just keep rolling people off uh, that's sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited um, um so uh, sorry my big one was Aretha Franklin. Uh, I died and then died again because she's hilarious and, and what she does backstage, she's super old school. I mean, like, it, we've done this for a number of years now and, and when we do probably, like, I don't know, dozens, more than dozens of shows, it's kind of one of those things where, like, not to sound like a total asshole, but, like, there's so much of a list, it's hard to even start on it. Um, Give me, like... Give me like five. Okay, so we got Aretha Franklin. We got The Who. Blink-182 was fucking cool. I okay. <laughs> what about like Metallica? They were just here. Yeah, they we did. There? Yeah, we did a really cool um, a VIP room. for. We did their dressing rooms as well as the VIP room for all of the Live Nation heads that came in from all over the country and did a really sick uh, catering setup and decor in that room as well. Can you give fun. us any details? So go back. You were, you were in Aretha Franklin. You were losing <laughs> it over Aretha, right? I, is there anything you can divulge? Can you talk about the actual experience. And then for you, did you have to break character and be human for a second? Be like, I know I'm supposed to be professional, but the only person I've really lost my shit over was Beyonce. And that's a very real statement. Like it is actively hard to hold your shit together on a Beyonce day. Um, but Aretha Franklin's funny. And I don't think this is like uh, secret knowledge, but she requests her payment in cash. And then she like everybody who works for her lines up outside of her dressing room and she pays them in cash. That's so old school and that's <laughs> like, so badass. It's it was the coolest thing. We're at the the Meyerhoff a couple years ago and just like waiting to clean her dressing room because there was a line of fucking people outside waiting to get paid. Like that was that was awesome. So did we get our top fives Beyonce in that oh, in that yeah. five? Beyonce's definitely in that uh, Paul McCartney was amazing. Hey, give us ten. Um Elton John. Oh, Elton John's are like you toured with him, didn't you? We we tour with them like twice a year, and they're like they we for were the past five yeah years. for the past five years we were uh, we got engaged when we were on the road with them, 
Uh, they were playing Jazz Fest on the day of our wedding. So unfortunately, they weren't able to come, but those are people we call family and, and um, definitely, without a doubt, the top of the list. They're amazing. Um, Is that where you guys started? Was Elton John the first tour? No, Drake was my first tour, and that was terrible. The worst, <laughs> like the absolute worst experience of my life, but I grew so much from it. Uh, but kind of talking about Elton, um, not to th tell your story, but the first Elton tour we did was, was two weeks after Andrew's father passed. And uh, to go through that experience together, we were still really new doing the job, um, and to get through that tour, and the tour sent Andrew's mother flowers as a thank you for um, allowing her son to be on the road with them. Um, and that kind of speaks to how, how wonderful they are as a crew and how much we love to be with them. But yeah, that was crazy. I would, so just real quick, I would imagine uh, going on the road after something like that happening, it's actually therapeutic. The work. It, it forces you to go on with it, right? Absolutely. I mean, it, that... I had that experience, and we talked about it on the podcast with my dog, um, where I was away, and I was on tour, and the only thing that kept me from breaking down after losing him was the consistent work every day, the constant movement every day, needing to be around for other people, right? And obviously, it's a very different thing, uh, losing a dog versus losing a dad. I mean, they're family members, but still, it's a big difference, you know? So I, I would imagine that that was probably the best place to be in a way. I don't know if you thought of it like that. I'm just, you know. No, absolutely. I mean, uh, it was certainly a trying experience. Hannah was there for obviously 100% of all the different ebbs and flows and different emotions that you go through. And uh, I, I do agree that working through it and having a purpose and also being able to have a little bit of distance uh, from just geographically as well as just in a yeah in like a, a world sense and a career sense uh, was uh, was indeed very enlightening and showed that although this very intense and personal thing happened life does go on and it also through experiences and bonding with that many people constantly and realizing that my story is not unique although it feels very personal uh, wasn't alone in that and that um, that was special that really did help yeah uh, people on the road who do that for a living they lose friends family members and they have to deal with it while being away and I think you're right that the geography of it in and of itself helps because it's like wow it makes you realize how small you are and how how small as you said how not unique the mm -hmm. situation is especially in that world you know yeah, I think that's one of those weird things. I mean, you find that as you have these more personal and singular experiences as they feel at the time, they wind up being more universally relatable in some sort of weird way. Like you think, oh, I like M&Ms is more relatable to everybody because everyone likes M&Ms. But really it's having that experience and realizing that you can relate to other people in a very deep sense through it. Yeah, yes. Well, I hope that made sense. No, it does. Yeah. I mean, it's very easy to, to know that most people in the world right. will like candy, right? right. Or they'll like M&M's. You, you don't always feel like, oh, like everybody's lost a family member. Everybody can relate to that. But in reality, everybody can relate to that in this world. So it, it is, uh, 
it's eye-opening in that sense, which is, which is very cool. Yeah. Um, I think it's really cool that you're demonstrating vulnerability and sharing this. And a lot of people listening to this are going to find a lot of value in this whole episode. And I think uh, where, I, where I'm going with this is that I know, based on just what we see in the Facebook group we have every day, there's a lot of people paying attention to the, these episodes that are interested in music or musicians themselves, and they're, they want to do something similar to what you guys are doing. The difference is, is like you're actually doing it. Uh, so what I'd like to do, now that we've kind of teed up uh, who you guys are and, and what you're doing, is how you got to that point. So I know Andrew and I, as I said, met in high school. We were in a guitar class. You were like the only bass player in that class. I but was. you were this like weird punk kid to me. You'd wear like all black and like baggy shit with like patches. And, yeah, and I, I never had... I used to had... change my, uh, my pants, but I used to change the patches onto them. Okay. It, yeah. Like Operation Ivy type stuff. Yeah, man. Right? Which Safety I never pants. listened to. And it was, a, it was a culture that I wasn't uh, like... I didn't really know much about it, but you seemed like a very nice guy. And I remember in that guitar class, uh, we did a unit where everybody just brought in a song to introduce to the class. And you brought in uh, Refused, Shape of Punk to Come, that record. And I was like, oh, shit, I can talk to this guy now. So um, you've always been a musician. You're a bass player. Yeah, and, yes, and we really got more close, uh, the band that Justin and I were playing in, uh, we would gig a lot with the different bands that you were in at the time, right? Yes, indeed. So was that always like the first, I guess, dream that you had? Was was it bass, guitar, and playing in a rock band? To be honest, I, I well, bass, no. I think my first dream was just straight guitar, but uh, the longtime guitarist, my first cousin, as well as a uh, friend of ours, Trevor, already filled that role, and he said, hey, we need someone to play bass. Here's a bass. Um, and just kind of took that and ran with it, and miraculously uh, really dug the, uh, um, just dug the instrument, you know, the, the mixture of medley, but also um, percussion. Mm -hmm. and, and Hannah, we met you. <laughs> Let's give it up for Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> you want to say that again? <laughs> so, Hannah, um, we met you a couple years later through a bunch of mutual friends in the music scene that we were all a part of and creating. This was like, I guess, 2005, 2006 or so. Um, so how did you get introduced to music and music culture? I think that I have to give that credit to my sister because she was um, in and around the Adelphi days. And so I remember her taking me to a record show and seeing Ryan Keaton with pink hair and being like, oh my goodness, this is the coolest thing that's ever happened. And um, just in continuing to make friends and become involved. And um, through that, I ended up, uh, you know, just becoming friends with people and growing, you know, years later into managing some of those bands and, and kind of get like honing my chops in the industry or really realizing that I wanted to work in the music industry because of this cool scene that we were building together. Um, but yeah, no, I just got lucky enough to be hanging around all hang to hang around all you cool people and um, make hard eyes at this one sitting next to me at uh, was it Dunkin' Donuts Baskin Robbins? It was a combination Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, it's St. John's <laughs> Hamilton across the street from St. John's Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, 
it's been it's been a long road that thankfully has given me Andrew and a career. So thank you, uh, Baltimore pop rock music scene. So wait, Hannah, did you meet Andrew while he was playing in a band at St. John Hamilton? Absolutely. And, but you guys were across the street at the Baskin Robbins slash Dunkin Donuts. Sure were. And how? Did, what's that story? Who 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 <laughs> came up to who? I can. Matt likes the gossip. I can tell this because it. The, our relationship kind of spans over the course of, of many years and he can come up with an anecdote a couple years later that really burns me so I can burn him right now. Um, Wait, but this is great because a lot of our <laughs> listeners might want to know how to pick up a significant other. Oh, yeah. Right? And so, so you know... What's up, Kevin the drummer? What's up, <laughs> Kevin the drummer? Shout out to Kevin the drummer, my homeboy. Okay, so let, let me... Go ahead, Drew. Let's Let's... Please... Oh, oh, yeah. So I was super into Andrew. It was something between the blonde streak and his faux hawk and his American Eagle skinny jeans (laughs) that uh, really drew me to him. And um, unfortunately, there were a lot of other ladies in his life at the time. And as is the case with all of uh, you very cool guys in bands that were playing in church basements, but let's be real here. Um, but yeah, no, there were a couple other girls that he had his eye on and it wasn't in the cards for me at that moment. Um, but years down the road, tides kind of changed and Andrew, you yeah, can tell that story. Did you, <laughs> but did you form a friendship at that time? Yeah, absolutely. yeah, I think so. Like not as deep at that point in time, but like, I think a couple years later we started to become real friends. Were you guys like top eight on MySpace? Definitely not. Okay, so not that serious at <laughs> not that point. Not that serious, yeah, no. But I really liked his band, and I will say, kind of as a dorky anecdote, I still have a Brighter Shades uh, CD in my car. So do my parents. Man, Brighter Shades was awesome. Brighter Shades were Thank so you. good. Thank yeah. you. Like, sorry, I am such a fangirl for him. I, I love that I got Andrew when he wasn't in a band. Like, that makes me so happy, because I never wanted to date a band boy, but, like, I got the best of both worlds for sure. Very That's lucky. That's awesome. All right, so a couple years later, blonde streak. A couple years later, give me the yeah, give me like Sans blonde streak. You reconnect. So yeah, we we had uh, reconnected briefly for summer, and it it seemed like we were both interested in each other. Um, I had allowed that to fizzle out, or for whatever reason, one one reason or another. It's not that it ended badly; it just kind of ended. Summer was over. We were going our separate ways. I was in school in Philadelphia, yeah. so I like I wasn't I wasn't here. Um. And um, I think I realized that I sh- would have liked to have put a little more effort into that relationship. And uh, upon making that known, um, Hannah was just at a, at a different point in life and had graciously said, "I appreciate the sentiment." Um, which was very diplomatic, which somehow cut pretty deep for some reason. <laughs> so you shut him down. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. <laughs> At a bowling alley show. Wow. That, I think and that's never the machine like... forever was playing. Oh Ooh. wow. Yeah. How many how <laughs> many years? How many years after the Dunkin' Donuts slash Baskin Robbins hard eyes did this then happen? Four or five. Because I was in this college. This is a long time coming. Yeah. Yeah, we've known each other for a really long time. Right. Okay. So. Um, I, I want to go back to, I guess, that period of time in the Dunkin' Donuts. So you were in high school at the time, Hannah? Yeah. So what I think is really cool, and I know Justin and I, it's probably the greatest, uh, quote, college experience we ever have, 
or had was being in that music scene. And Hannah, you said it was inspiring for you to see all these different people close to your age actually creating in the world and uh, living out dreams and building stuff. Mm -hmm. And I guess at that point, you realized you were interested in pursuing something in the music industry. And I think it's for someone listening, that's like the best advice I can give is just like, do it. You know, and, and it's obviously helpful if you can join community, find a way to add value to a community that already exists, whether it's a community of uh, people creating video content or putting on and performing concerts, whatever it is that you're interested in, it's find a way to add value to community. And at least for Justin and I, we realized, oh shit, we can actually live out dreams when we're 17, 18 years old. And that's what gives us the confidence to this day to be like, oh, that seems really attractive in the world. Well, what's stopping me from getting it? Like nothing but fear of going after it. So I think it's cool that you were exposed to that culture uh, at such an impressionable age to realize I can actually make a go at this. Mm -hmm. So you went to Drexel in Philly, right? Uh, I did. And uh, not to detract from that at all, but one of the best pieces of advice I got in my entire life was in high school and right around the time where I was kind of involving myself with band stuff. And it was um, from my vocal teacher in high school because I went to a magnet school, was public. Uh, mm -hmm. But Carver, I don't know if anyone from Baltimore is listening, but I was a vocal, vocal music student. So I did a lot of singing, a lot of musical theater. I thought I was going to go to college for musical theater. Like that was my path. And um, my teacher just said, you know, like, do you love it? Because what you, to be successful in life, you need to figure out what you love to do and then figure out a way for someone to pay you to do that thing. And I took that to heart in such a very real way and was like, that's when I realized that I loved the environment of live music. And when I loved being at St. John's Hamilton. I loved being at Wrecker. I loved selling merch. I loved being involved with these bands. And that's really what inspired me to find the program at Drexel that I did and go and study music industry. And without, seriously, without that piece of advice, I don't think that I would, we, both of us, would be here today, which is, it was really important. It's probably one of the most important things that I've ever listened to in my life. Thanks, Dr. Walker. That's awesome. <laughs> I was just going to comment on the fact that uh, it also takes persistence to get this stuff done. And it seems like you had obviously or have exercised a lot of persistence in order to get shut down <laughs> by Hannah and then now be married to her. So again, not to go back from what Jordan was asking about, but I want to hear the rest of this part of the story. <laughs> I'm all about the drama. I'm all about, I'm all, come on, it's I, love. Everybody loves that. I wish I could that. say it was all that drama filled. I think that I took that and just said to myself, okay, this is not the time. I mean, persistence, certainly, but patience as well. Um, having faith that I, I think that we liked each other on some planes. You know, we became very close friends after that, and uh, neither of us was going to push that out of the boundaries of, of comfort until one day um, it just kind of, things in our lives circumstantially came back around and we said, let's try and give this a real go. Let's yeah. make this work where, uh, you know, we were the right people at the right time in the right place, and we weren't that before. And so if we hadn't gone through all that and gone through what had happened after 
we sort of deflected each other, we wouldn't be who we are yeah. today and who we can be for each other. It was very important for us to go through the relationships we did have to end in a place, to be in a place where we ended up together to start our relationship because there's so much you gain from shitty relationships and dating the wrong person that teaches you how to be with the right person. Um, and I think that that was really important for us. Like, th- there was never a point for as long as I knew Andrew for as many times as he came over to my parents' house in the middle of the night and we sat outside just talking about life, he never made a move on me. He was never creepy. It was just such a genuine, sincere friendship that, or very, very organically, I think that was the key word to our entire relationship when we started it because both of us had just come out of long-term relationships and we weren't looking to be in anything. It was just like, okay, this feels right. We're going to try it, but we're not going to push it. We're just going to let it be. And it grew into something that was really meaningful. And I think that that really strong base of friendship we had been able to build over those years was really the catalyst for that. Um, and yeah, proud wife, very lucky. <laughs> well, it's, it's, that's really cool. And obviously you guys have a very strong connection because I would imagine that it's very hard for some couples to be around each other as much as you guys might be around each other because you live together, you're married, you work together, you not only work together, but you own the business together, which is a whole other thing. So have you had to set boundaries for when it's time to talk business, when it's time to give ourselves date night, when it's, you know, do you know what I mean? Like, like how do you compartmentalize the different, um, I guess, positions you have to take in the relationship? Uh, sure thing. I think it's, it's a little bit of a uh, multifaceted answer to, to give, only because for us, because it is something that, we, that so genuinely speaks to who we are, what we're doing, we love it so deeply. It is so, and everything that we do um, comes very much from uh, our, our passions in life that has come together that we don't really have much of a work-life balance to say. I mean, like, we live this. We breathe it every single day. When, we're, when we leave the apartment and we, ta- and we go in two separate cars, we're calling each other to talk about what's coming up because there's... It's really sad. We were talking <laughs> about this. Like, yeah. I, I, I love him to death, and thankfully this works for us right now, we definitely acknowledge that we may hit a point where we look at each other and go, I can't be with you all day. And that's okay. Like that is okay. But for right now, we just like truly enjoy working together. And through our journey, the last couple years professionally in kind of being more apart than we have been and then coming back together again, there's a lot of value in us and our teamwork. And there's a lot of happiness in our lives that is derived from being with each other. And that is kind of weird and is definitely not everyone's cup of tea, but it just works for us really well right now. And so we're leaning into it. One quick question just to, to tail end that. So you mentioned that you've been apart too for mm-hmm. different jobs. How does that compare to working together? I mean, is it basically that you're saying that you'd much prefer to be together? It sucks. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> got it. It sucks. Hard. It sucks. We, we decided at a certain point that we wanted to like get off the road and all of that, and we had probably written off the music industry. We started going into special events and decor, thinking that that might be the next path we wanted to take. And we worked for the same company still, 
we sat next to each other every day, yeah. but we didn't talk to each other for eight hours. We were both absorbed in our work and learning that craft and all of that. And um, I think, and, and that was probably one of the more rough periods of our relationship for a solid year. Just that going from being able to understand what the other person needs and what they're thinking the second as everything's happening in real time versus being uh, mentally in your own head just trying to pick up this, this new skill so hopefully it can come back together one day and we can work together again one day. Um, that was, yeah, it was rough. It was very lonely. Like, not to sound super codependent, because there's a, for a very long time in our lives, given that we spent, we, we've been working together from day one. I brought in Andrew as my quote-unquote assistant two weeks into us dating, and we've been working together ever since. So, like, that's really all we know. And so to go from that type of connection to working for the same company, but, but being so separate, it felt very isolated. It was very sad, and it was important important because you have to learn that autonomy it's you we need separate skills like that's it's life skills like you you need that that's important but at the same time it was so evident to us that like we're better together right now in our lives we're a great team and it makes us happy to be working together so why don't we just try to figure out a way to do that and thankfully um the roads in our life in our career uh have led to the point where we're able to do that again and we're lucky we're really lucky. With all the work you guys are doing currently, how do you find a balance to actually find time for just the two of you to go on a date, to go, I don't know, go to dinner, watch a movie, talk about something, or even just go hang out and talk about work and what you guys love and don't love, the ups and downs and everything. Are you do you allow yourself time away? Or does it always feel like we're on twenty four seven? Game of Thrones every Sunday, no exceptions. For sure. So you take every <laughs> Sunday off, even if well, it's the best gig in the world? I think that there are also there are moments where we can look at each other and go, we need to go to dinner. Like, we need to go and sit down across from the table from each other and drink a glass of wine and feel like people. Because um, we do throw ourselves into work so much. So we, rec- we can probably be better about it, but we do mm-hmm. recognize moments where we just need to, like, be appreciative for an opportunity or just be appreciative for each other. Um, Andrew not to be super sappy, Andrew makes me feel amazing about myself every day. He makes me feel appreciated every day. And to be able to live in that kind of a headspace is a gift. So like, it's again, not to sound like a crazy person, but like there are moments where we look at each other and we go, we're so lucky to be doing this. Like we were, we were in, our, in our trailer at Moonrise today, like this is our trailer. That's our golf cart with our name on it outside. Like this is cool. Good job us. Like, and you have, you have to, because those moments are really fleeting and you work really hard for them. And, uh, but yeah, I'm, I think I think went on a tangent. Apologies. No, but I'm so <laughs> glad that you brought that up because I think that's just something in general that's not talked about enough. It's just one self talk. Right. And that's the conversation that we're engaged with more than anyone. And I think the fact that as you said, in a relationship, you guys uh, help fill each other's esteem in that sense. But even to have the moments of appreciation and gratitude and awareness of, oh shit, this is where I am right now, and this is really awesome, and like I worked to get here, and that helps create perspective. And and even even in the sense of 
maybe I'm frustrated because this is going on in my life. Well, that frustration and actually owning it is what's going to create the friction to motivate you to go for something that feels better in life. And I just think the concept of the conversations we have with ourselves is so uh, undervalued. And I think we take it for granted because often we don't even have awareness or consciousness that it's actually happening. But I think that is so valuable for people to hear. And I, I think a lot of people may hear that and initially be like, oh, that's inflated ego. And I call bullshit on that. I mean, that's like true self-esteem. And I think that those qualities within you guys and within your relationship is a big uh, ingredient to the success that you guys are currently having and continuing to have in your growth as a business. I think it's also really great for people to hear two people that it took years for you guys to finally come together. That's a great story in its own right. And then to hear how both of you light up each other's day, even though you're working together full time. And I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who, who have seen relationships where people work together and it's just not healthy. And even when they realize like how you guys say, you know, Hannah was saying you, you realize we need to go sit across from each other and get dinner and just talk about life and drink wine and whatever. It's great that you guys recognize that. I think a lot of people may think about the relationship where people work together all day long, day in and day out, uh, as something negative. But you guys are highlighting how it can be so positive for one another. And I think that's awesome. He's fully stuck with me, ladies and gentlemen. He legally signed on to this life, and I'm not letting him go. I'm very lucky. So <laughs> you said you said Moonrise. Uh -huh. Moonrise is a is an electronic dance music festival. It's happening this weekend in Baltimore. It is. One, can you guys talk about that? And then two, can you talk about what the setup is for you guys? How many days leading up to the festival? What you guys are doing, and then what a typical day will look like at a festival like that when you're working. Who wants to handle this one? Drew, uh, Andrew. I will give it the old, uh, the old try. So anyway. Um, Everything that you, so Moonrise Festival is an electronic dance music festival it happens here in Baltimore, Maryland. Pulls in some of the largest names in electronic music. Happens over the course of two days. Um, it's in its fourth year currently. Now, whatever festival you're seeing, whether that's Coachella, Lollapalooza, Firefly, Bonnaroo, Moonrise, um, there is a lot of stuff that happens months in advance. Anywhere from like as soon as the last festival ends, the day afterwards they start planning the next one. Um, so for us, our sort of advanced work in terms of getting all the pieces together starts a solid, I, I'd say, month out, two months out, uh, um, building from up Moonrise, a... two months out. Yeah, for Moonrise, two months out. Uh, putting together the pieces of what is it, you know, in, in the context of artist hospitality, what is it that all the artists are going to want? How can they fit into the physical space that we have on site because you know you have a finite amount of space a finite amount of dressing rooms to work with um and just making sure that everybody feels like they're taken care of and they're heard i just had a question yeah. do you one um do you go through every artist separately and every artist's rider separately to figure out how different they are and how you can customize the experience or in a situation like this, where you probably have some artists who are in and out, literally, like they show up, they play, they leave, um, is it more of a kind of everybody gets the same treatment thing, except maybe the things in the dressing room are a little different? I mean, do, do you see what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. 
Is there a, is there a big difference with something like that? It changes based upon the the festival. Mm-hmm. Everyone every festival kind of has a different system for how they work that. Uh, for Moonrise, it's tiered, so you're obviously paying more attention to your top tiers than you are, you know, somebody that's local and maybe playing, you know, earlier on in the day. What's up, race car bed? Hey, race car bed, we love you. Um, no, but we all like it's my favorite time of year. High Bagel and Stan because we get to hang out with Bagel and Stan. Truly, they're, uh, they're <laughs> playing the Road to Moonrise. Hell with yeah. Architects t- tonight. Tonight. Yeah. Tonight. Yay. In go see Race Car Bed. In DC. In DC. Hell yeah. There you go. They're the greatest. We Shout love them. Shout out to Race Car Bed. It's like highlight of Moonrise is getting to see Bagel and Stan. Truly. Like, really is. Um, no one listening. Uh, well, f- not no one, but for those listening who don't know who Bagel and Stan are, we'll, we'll have them on sometime. Yeah. So the, the band that Justin and I were in, Stan handled uh, like keys and electronics and bagel was actually our light guy bagel introduced himself yesterday on the uh, family matters yeah post. say what's up to bagel eric stevens in the chocolate croissants podcast facebook app he's the great <laughs> group <laughs> anyway so with these tiered systems you guys are paying more attention to the top tiers so what does the difference yeah. look like between the different tiers um for moonrise specifically like they have a, a because you obviously like to try to even like go through 65 to 85 riders or however many artists you have is a a nightmare. So they build a system where they say, okay, we're providing you with an artist lounge that has an open bar based upon, you know, what we see on riders in terms of liquor selection, things like that. We're giving you a high end catering experience. We're going to give you a dressing room for an appropriate amount of time around your set. Uh, unfortunately, given the circumstances, we're not going to give you your full rider, but tell us what three most important things we can get for you. Um, and a lot of time there's wiggle room with that. If, you know, it's funny, we have one artist that doesn't ask for anything but espresso and water. And while it's kind of annoying to think about getting an espresso machine, Andrew and I have so much respect for someone who just wants to stay caffeinated and hydrated. We ordered an espresso offline, and that motherfucker is going to have an espresso machine in his dressing room. <laughs> but Pulling yeah. all the shots. <laughs> do you guys deal directly with each artist's tour manager, or mm-hmm. do you deal? Okay, so it, I was going to say, or do you deal with the promoter who handles all of that stuff? Uh, it so both. it varies between yeah. tour managers or their agencies that are representing them. Ultimately, there is a uh, an online portal that sort of pulls everything together. And then our contacts are listed for that. If anybody wants to uh, have a further conversation, they're able to do so. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Cool. But I mean, that Moonrise is very different um, in terms of how we handle hospitality to like Firefly, which is our other kind of our main project during the year, which is a totally different festival, totally different ball game, um, and we handle those requests much differently than we do with Moonrise. Um, so it's it's interesting to kind of ebb and flow through different types of festivals and, and do and lots of different things. Firefly had Paul McCartney last year or Firefly two years ago? Firefly had Paul McCartney two years ago, yeah. So what was that like? Was that more unique compared to the normal artist? So that was unique in the sense that um, Paul McCartney, as do a, lot of, a number of top-tiered artists like that, will travel with their own catering versus relying on, you know, the catering contacts, which can vary from festival to festival or market to market. Um, they have strict dietary restrictions, and so they want to control that and know that they're going to have a good meal everywhere they go. So they, they so they brought that in versus it really um, us handling the rider directly. We just facilitated and made sure that they had everything they need to have a successful day. Which included, I mean, not 
at that point in time, this was before we kind of had our brains in decor. Um, but Paul McCartney year at Firefly was actually the first year I, I remember standing in a, a space saying, we could decorate this. We could do this. I can understand how this all comes together. And seriously, it's very crazy to say two years later, we were standing in those same spaces designing them, which is bananas to me still. But the thing about Paul McCartney is that because he's a Beatle, he um, designed and require, required a, a complete redesign of the, of the complex backstage. So um, the way that we work Firefly is I'm in the main compound down with uh, the majority of artists and Andrew Handel's the two or one most important person that comes on site every day. Um, and we completely designed that entire backstage compound based upon the needs of his chef mm -hmm. and his, his, the amount of dressing rooms he needed and how he needed them laid out. And every other artist throughout the entire festival dealt with that compound based upon his needs because, I mean, when you have a beetle, you do what the beetle wants. Is that something that comes naturally for you guys, or have you had prior experience in interior design? I, it's funny. I have always really loved decorating spaces, but never was cognizant about it. I think that I was way more music focused than I ever was um, kind of being in tune to that side of myself. But what we do now, we talk about a lot because it's, uh, it's, uh, it's hospitality. It's, it's, we don't cook. We're not chefs by any means, but we love making people feel welcome. We love creating inviting spaces and inviting environments for people. And that combines our love of good food and booze and uh, interior design and uh, things that we never really tapped into um, until, I guess, this part of our lives. But yeah, it's cool. So it's Wednesday night right now. Uh, the... Um the show, the festival that you guys are working this weekend at Pimlico, it starts Saturday morning and goes into Sunday. Mm -hmm. But you said you guys are heading over to Pimlico Racetrack after we record, and it's already almost 9.30 at night. So what will you guys be doing tonight? And then morning of Saturday when the festival actually starts at Moonrise, what does that look like? Is it just constantly putting out fires? Um, not necessarily fires. There's a lot that goes into building a site out of nothing. So this evening when we go back, um, because we do have a hand in decor, making sure that the spaces look welcoming, um, we are heading back to sort of fill out the rest of our punch list, making sure that um, one of the, uh, the top rooms that we're heading up, that, that uh, the details on that are all taken care of. In addition to that, we're also getting ready for the next day, so that way when we have a team coming in, it, it doesn't often register that you have to have a list of things ready to keep your team moving and motivated and going. It's not something that, uh, at least for me personally, comes naturally. I have to really think it out and, and list it out. And that's something I've learned pretty well from Hannah because otherwise I'm just running around with like a chicken with my head cut off. Um, so I, I don't think I said that idiom correctly. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll consult with Jimmy Haha about that. Thank you very much. Um, so, so for the rest of the night, we'll be going in, we'll be designing a couple more dressing rooms, getting ready and set for the next day, making sure that we're all set there. Uh, come day of the festival, at that point, everything leading up to it should be all of your preparation. When you're actually at the event, you should just be executing. You shouldn't have to be preparing at that point because those little things, those squeaky wheels that you could have taken care of ahead of time, they grow bigger and louder and louder, and they get in the way of any sort of, like... Uh, 
good product you're trying to put out instead of, it, like, if you allow that squeaky wheel to keep going on, you'll just be able to put out your baseline good. You won't be able to excel or exceed or put out the product that you really want to and you know you can. Yeah. So there's obviously a huge attention to detail there. And is that based off of your guys' experience and just saying, I know what needs to be done at this point, having worked Mm -hmm. with so many people? Or something that I know that like my tour manager would hugely appreciate, is it that you take these, for the, the top artists that you work with, ones you are giving more attention to, you take their riders and you comb through them like, meticulously to find every little small detail so is that is that andrew is that like your your job in in that sense Uh, to like to prepare that way because i can't tell you how many times promoters or um venues we worked with it like probably take our rider and wipe their asses with it and then give us as i said like a plate of like meat and cheese and then it's like have a nice day well and that's okay it happens um it you know it's good but the other side of that is I think the level at which you're working, which is top tier. So what is that? Is that again, is it experience right. and you just know what works or is it meticulously uh, fine toothed combing through? It's a little bit of both. I mean, we've gotten our asses handed to us a couple of times. Um, so yeah. that way we know not to do hard, something in the future. Hard lessons have been learned for sh- hard lessons have been learned for right. sure. It's, it's a lot of like gut reactions to like, Oh no, don't do that because bad things will come. Right. Um, but yeah, Andrew's yeah, yeah. amazing at going through riders and asking questions about things that, I mean, I feel like I'm pretty hospitality minded and I wouldn't even think of. Um, he can anticipate need like nobody's business and is just so kind in a way like to be good at this job is very interesting. Uh, not to go off on a total uh, like go for it. whatever, but like when we worked at Revolution, when both of us worked at Revolution, we were starting, it was our first year there. It was so hard because everybody constantly told us that we were too nice because we came from a world where our success was predicated on saying yes was in making it happen no matter what and so when it, it was a totally different situ- situation when you're dealing with the clients in in that scope and in, in special events when you do have to say no you do have to be a little bit harder handed on things and i think when andrew decided to leave revolution and start our company it was one of the big, like, when, when Andrew left Revolution, everyone was stoked for him. Everyone was so supportive and so wonderful because they knew that it was exactly what he was meant to do. He's so good at it. It's this perfect combination of, of personality traits that he has in terms of kindness and conscientiousness and attention to detail and, like, OCD in a weird way where he's going to recognize wording in some sentence that it's probably a typo, but he's going to call the tour and ask about it and probably make them feel bad about the typo because he's trying to just so closely discern what they need. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. We go, we go probably far more far into it than we need to sometimes, but making that phone call before the show, when you do talk to that tour manager, just showing them that you give a shit is 75% of that battle. Yeah. hundred, like every, every time. And so kind of, you know, why not? Let's tangent out. Um, going with that, you know, so when I, if I were to receive your writer, I've probably written it in two or three different ways. I've broken that down. I look at it, how, like, can I shop that? Like, what are all the beverages on this? What is all the alcohol? What is all the non-perishables? Where are my pinch points? Does this make sense? Can I get this? Um, and then 
you know, we'll, uh, we'll reach out and, as Hannah was saying, and make that sort of connection. And where that all kind of comes from, and it's sort of a different point to make, is just a um, little piece of advice is in diversifying your interests. Like, I, I really, I, I, you know, let's say I liked wine but I don't like whiskey. Well, people that are coming to me really like whiskey, so I need to learn about whiskey. Or I need to learn about, you know, these different cheeses. I, I've taught myself at this point to like whiskey, to like blue cheese, to like be able to discern all those things and get into the mindset of who is gonna be enjoying these things. Why are they enjoying these things? I mean, at the end of the day, you're traveling around the world um, and you just wanna be comfortable comfortable you just want the things that you like and it's my job to get into your head and feel what your personality is in that moment um and really at the end of the day like how are you just going to enjoy being in the place you're at and how is that going to affect your performance because ultimately it could affect everything Mm -hmm. in that sense that's that that's the key to the success right there the two things that you guys just said is evident or is enough evidence for me to understand that you guys are going to be doing this for a very long time if you want to, because it's rare to, it's rare that my tour manager says, man, this venue is on top of their shit. Hospitality is all over it. They reached out to me, advance of me advancing with them. And that's badass. I mean, when that happens, like my tour manager is so stoked. He's like, he like showers and combs his hair that day. (laughs) You know, like for real and like wants to look good because he's like feeling good. And then the other aspect of that is like, you know, if the fact that you can relate to the the interests or the preferences that these artists have, it's just I mean, that's like the clincher. It's like if if I were, you know, ex artist, whoever it is coming in and I said, man, I'm really digging um really digging this rum runner cheese from Whole Foods, which is a cheese that, that you can get at Whole Foods. And you were like, oh yeah, that is a great cheese, but you know what? Here's three more that are actually kind of similar that we thought you would like to try. And I would imagine that's kind of what you're referring to. And that's Absolutely. like, holy fuck, these people are just on their shit. Yeah. How do I get you all the time? Side note, it's kind of cool to like, because we, we see people come around a couple of times. And so it's cool to have introduced an artist to something and then see that on their rider the next time they come around. You're like, in in a weird, small way, and I know that I'm just kind of like, you know, patty, patty. Yeah, it absolutely it's, is. It's Andrew's very favorite thing. Like, there's n- I, probably very few things that bring him more joy <laughs> than being like, I did that. I showed them that brand of, I don't know, coconut water has yeah, been it. Yeah, Harmless for Harvest, sure. by the way. Big, big shout out if anyone ever messed with Harmless Harvest, <laughs> do that or get yourself a young Thai coconut and punch a hole right in it. Yeah. I think it's uh, it's really amazing to see uh, such a different look at maybe not even just aspects of something that people want, a profession people wouldn't be uh, that aware of, but to see all these nuances of of this this mm-hmm. this I mean. You've taken on such an interesting uh, business that most people are, are unaware of, and then you're showing it in such a great light where you're showing, look at all these other aspects you wouldn't have even thought of when you think about this, of how cultured you get. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to you get to talk to people from all over the world and see what their interests are, and then you get to figure out how you can then relate to them through all these little, little subtle details that you know is just going to make them feel good when they come to you guys. And I think that's... Um, it's really incredible the diversity and and how how much you have to diversify your portfolio of the things that you end up being good at 
for doing this, even down to you didn't really even speak on you're going to go do decor tonight to make, you know, like a, a top shelf version of a lounge. Is this like what we're thinking of? You know, like yeah. like a, a nice seating area where you get to just kick your feet up and relax and feel good. You yeah. might be a couple thousand miles from home, but you're going to feel right at home when you yeah. come in. Exactly. Where do you get the skills to actually go pick out the pieces and lay it out? And then did you, did you take those skills home where you guys live? So when you guys do your own design at home, do you want it to feel similar to the best places you've ever designed? Yes. If that was very important to us. You guys should come hang out at our apartment sometime. Uh, <laughs> but... I would uh, love to. Please do. Come please over for dinner. Some, please send us some pictures as well. Sure. We'll put it in the group and show people what you're actually talking about. You but know, please describe it to us. Um, environment's very important to me. As I got older, I realized that. Like, it's it's really the, at least, I don't know if it's everybody, but I feel and Andrew feels, and we mm -hmm. think that it's kind of a human trait to feel more at ease in spaces that you feel are beautiful and calming. And so to be able to create those types of environments is a really cool thing to do. Um, I have... Andrew and I both uh, are lacking any formal education in interior design. Um, neither one of us really has any type of design background. Um, but I think that we just, uh, this sounds, I don't know. I, I, we just have pretty defined personal aesthetics. Um, we know what we like. And I think that kind of through things in our life, we have developed design skills and when we started working at, at Revolution, which is um, a company that I still work for now and Andrew worked for for a while, um, that does decor and design, we were hired uh, <laughs> completely kind of out of the blue, both at once. We got a phone call when we were on vacation from the creative director over there because she works with Andrew's aunt, who's an event designer and is amazing. Um, and they had been following us and what we were doing, and they believed in our ability and our, I guess our aesthetic or our taste, um, the, our creative director, she's amazing, but she and I actually, we got married at the same place and uh, helped her, I get not helped her find the venue, but just, you know, she saw that we had very similar tastes, that we, you know, had the ability to put spaces together, that we thought about things that we kind of, I don't know, I guess were able to have the skill set to, she at least believed that we could be good event producers and we went in blind. That's it. They gave us a business card and I got clients and all of a sudden I was designing mitzvahs. And that's been my life for the last two years and I love it. Um, but the coolest thing that came from that was the fact that uh, because we had been working for Firefly for so long um, and they knew us as their hospitality team, they allowed us the opportunity to bid on their decor. And through Revolution, we won it. And last year, the first year we did it, we had a lot of help from producers because we had no idea what the fuck we were doing. But last year, Andrew and I sat in our apartment and designed that festival in our living room and then got to see it come to life. Like entrance signs, whole VIPs, whole artist compounds. Like this year, we just spent all day putting all the furniture in the VIP areas. And we designed all of the dressing rooms. And like that to me is bananas. It still feels crazy. That's badass. Um, you mentioned it, Justin. I just, um, we'll, we'll remind you after too, but if you guys are able, can you, or if you have pictures of other events you've worked, can you shoot us a couple like pictures of these rooms and of these sure. builds so we can show the audience what exactly you guys are capable of doing in your living room? <laughs> <laughs> and I say that because, and, and this is a bigger point, and this is actually, so I recorded intro for every show this is what I'm going to have the intro be about. So I'm going to keep it short now. But 
everything I'm hearing from you guys, all of the little details, everything you've learned, all the mistakes, all of the the small um, meticulous attention, uh, little details that you pay attention to, I should say, those things can be applied to so many other things aside 100%. from what you specifically do for work and for your passion. And I'll talk about that, like I said, in the intro. I don't want to bore everybody now. But that's all I keep thinking about is like, wow, whatever, if you guys couldn't do this, like if you couldn't do this starting tomorrow, if it was taken away, I believe you would be successful no matter what you would do as a team together or separately because the lessons learned here are so universal. Even as just functioning as a polite human being, like I would imagine that you guys think about courtesies probably more than most people do. Like I, I could just see you like in a supermarket holding the door for someone oh, or like, you know what I mean? Or, <laughs> you mean a line of people? Yeah, yeah, no, we're there for five minutes holding the door. That's yeah. It. And, like, but, and it's an automatic door. But the patience too that that takes. And, yeah. and what I really respect about all this is that with your work, you have to put other people's needs first. So if that means you don't get a meal because you're helping somebody else, so be it. If you can't do X because someone that you're working for needs Y, it's got to wait. And I think that kind of self-control, that kind of temperance is extremely, uh, it's hard to come by. But again, it's a, it's a big lesson, I think. To, it's, it's a big point to take away from this episode, you know, is what are the fine details of the things you guys do every day and how can that relate universally to not only work, but to personal life and relationships too. So anyway, yeah. I, I was just, yeah. uh, I wanted to say that because hopefully our listeners were already thinking that, but if they weren't, go back and re-listen and take some notes on the fine details to figure out how you can apply it to what you do, you know? So I also know, um, and Jordan's going to kick into this, but we have some specific questions that we got from our Facebook group for you guys. So, Jordan, do you want to introduce this? Uh-huh. So, uh, Sir Wilson Adams, he's from Nashville, Tennessee, in the United States of America. Uh, he asked a bunch of questions, so I'm going to kind of rip through these with you guys. Um, but as far as starting a business together, is this something that both of you were just on board from the start, or did one of you have to do some more convincing? So, to be, it, sorry, <laughs> we, um, we, I would say we were actually both very reluctant, um, upon the point that people were saying to us, and we originally were doing this job, we heard from many people, you should start your own business, you should start your own business, and we said, you know, not really all that interested, um, no thanks, and then we went to go work for Revolution, we had our experience there that we were talking about, it was quite difficult to get through and it became so clear and apparent that we needed to take um, our own autonomy and put it into whatever we were going to do from then forth so at the point that we were actually ready to start this business which is about I'd say a, a year ago this is exactly a year pretty much um, we were both very much on board after both very much being not on board with this cool it happened very organically because yeah. um, Andrew had kind of realized that he wasn't into the sales aspect of, of 
being an event producer. Uh, it's not fun. It's a lot of meetings and walkthroughs and brides and mitzvahs. Like it, it's a lot of that. And Live Nation had actually come back to us and said, you know, there isn't anybody that's come into your role in your absence that does a good job. So that was a huge win for us. That was lucky. Um, and because of that, and because we had made a really strong impression in the time that we were doing our job, it enabled us to basically have um, a full schedule at a venue or enough promised work that Andrew was was secure enough or we were secure enough in the decision of saying, okay, let's try this. And then it got to be to a point where he was so busy that um, he needed someone to really handle the admin stuff. And I was still working full-time at Rev, but also, like, you know, wasn't amazingly... I'm, I love Revolution. Nothing against it. I love my job. But being full-time where you're there, nine to five plus events, almost 80, 100 hours a week with no release valve was exhausting. So I knew I needed to make it work for us. And so I talked to my owner or the owner of our company, who's in, also an incredibly badass lady. She's amazing. And she was really supportive of our business and our path and said that I could work full commission on my own schedule with doing whatever I wanted to do so I could support Andrew in our business, and that's what we've been doing ever since. So I'm still doing weddings and mitzvahs. Hey, holler at me if you're getting married. Um, but we dedicate a lot of our time, and I dedicate most of my time to the decor aspects of Coco, so our, our music festivals and um, when Live Nation lets us come in and do dressing rooms, which is every so often too. That's awesome. Well, I just wanted to correct something that you said. You were like... You mentioned Live Nation um, reaching out to you, saying no one did it better, and that's lucky. It's not lucky. No <laughs> one did it better. That's a testament to the hard work. It's And what's so cool is that you guys are modest, like extremely modest, and I, I think that's why I like you. <laughs> <laughs> that's the easiest way to say it. <laughs> but um, it, I th yes, at some point there was luck involved to build the relationship, but the hard work that you guys put in was the reason that it wasn't even a question to come for them to come back to you and say, no one has done it better. So when you guys say you appreciate those things, like the, the, your own trailer or your own golf cart, make sure you think of it that way too. Like appreciate the hard work and that it wasn't luck that they came back to you. It was proof in the pudding, you know? So just want to say that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Next question. You're a very nice guy, Matthew. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to convince people of that, but it's hard. This is a good platform for you, man. Um, so Wilson <laughs> follows up. Uh, so he's asking about employees, because it's not just the two of you. I mean, with Moonrise this weekend, you have massive responsibility. So you guys have brought on help. So I'm interested in what that process is like for you both being able to uh, agree that this other human being uh, feels good enough to represent you and the business that you've spent a long time building. Um, yeah, it, that has been a journey, to be totally honest with you. Um, we have been running teams are managing managing teams for the last couple years, but I don't think that either one of us really fully recognized or uh, appreciated the fact that we were actually doing that job, if that makes any sense. Um, at least for Firefly, for a long time, 
we now know they were just like, hey, you guys are good at doing what you do. We don't know what you do, but do it. And we thought they were building our job description and they knew that we were building our own job description. So like any management skills have come completely on the fly. Um, we're pretty bad at being authoritative. I think that we're good at being articulate, but we have a very friendly management style. We try to um, hire only people that we feel good vibes. That sounds so hippy dippy, but like feel good vibes from and understand them in terms of recognizing traits that we see within ourselves in them. Um, people who are detail oriented and courteous and articulate and smart um, driven. Um, but also at the same time, like recognizing that you can have all of those qualities in somebody, but if you don't arm them with the tools that they need and put them in the right situation to succeed, it's not going to be a, a good situation. So like Andrew had kind of mentioned earlier, it's half finding the right people, half giving them the tools. And I think that's really been the journey for us in, in becoming more successful as managers. I'd work for you. <laughs> so, um, Justin, just, <laughs> Justin, man, Matt, you're loving them, aren't you? I love them. Aww. So, uh, but, but to, to, to go back to that point, um, you said you had to learn all this management stuff on the fly. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, t to be honest, I think Andrew over here has a bit of experience. We did uh, have one class together uh, at university uh, in the business school. And I, I feel like the... We got tons of value out of out of our one class that, that he would be using to this day if he wants to speak on what that value actually was. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Do you want to tell people like like look we were in wait yeah. what <laughs> <laughs> hold on first off what was the class Andrew that you guys were in together? I think it was business law. What? Yeah, I think it was business okay. law. Okay, so it was a business law class. Business law class, yeah. Where did and you sit? Where did we you sat sit? In the very back. You sat in the very back. We did. What did you? Oh, what what did what did you do in class? Wait. Uh, the professor told us that you would get the most out of this class sitting in the back, giggling profusely the whole time. That that the the life skills you're learning currently in this class of Justin and Andrew, the two of you sitting in the back, doing what you're currently doing, you're learning a lot of stuff, good stuff, for the future. We were booking shows. And we were indeed. And we were having a great time. And I, I feel like, you did you get anything from school that gave you some fire moving forward? <laughs> He's being bashful. No, no. Uh, to be honest, uh, yeah, so we sat in the back. We probably didn't pay as much attention as we could have. I think we got C's, average. We passed. We, we passed it or whatever. But I think that what came out of that was obviously recognizing that if your heart isn't in something, if it's something you're interested in, it's not really worth your time pursuing because you're just going to be okay at it. So. I think that's very well said. Yeah, yeah. I think both of us could have could have just been uh, like the like we talked about playing those shows and having a great time. Uh, the culture that was being created and the memories and then uh, all these business lessons we were learning. We could have been doing that outside of school. We didn't really need to be there for that. But I feel like you know maybe we did take something away from well, those, those moments. You no, know, I think. Well, you need that. You know, you kind of need to feel that and grade up against that to have the recognition that. I'd rather prioritize my time somewhere else, my focus somewhere else, and that you have the perspective. I'm never going to wonder what it's like to be a lawyer in a business sense because I've already looked into an introductory class, and I just wasn't really vibing on that. Sure. I, yeah, I mean, it made us really appreciate the, the business work we were doing outside of school 
versus what we were learning inside of school. Correct. That was cool. So uh, we have another question from... Uh, Chocolate Croissant Facebook member, super fan, Jeffrey Blake. Of Remington. What up, Jeff Blake? He will actually be a guest at some point on this show. He's a brilliant and just kind guy. He had a couple great questions, of which we've already gotten into, uh, talking about crazy experiences, working with other artists, and uh, talking about the work-life balance. But he did have a great question in, what are some roadblocks that you've uh, overcome working in the industry, and what actionable advice would you give to anyone getting into the service or the music industry? I'd say always strive to do the right thing and just keep pushing forward. For a number of years, a gentleman that we worked with uh, wouldn't even acknowledge me, but we kept working with them, you know, because we loved the work and we kept pushing forward. And the, the crews that were coming in and the artists we were working with, I, you know, we got satisfaction out of that. Um, and it was interesting to figure out how to work with this person and recognize a, a great opportunity that was in front of us and how to make that work for us. Um, and so just being able to also recognize that you can, sh whatever your like environmental things, you can shift that dynamic to work in your interest. And um, if you can, it's time to find a different place to be yeah. that does suit that. I think one of the reasons that we are happiest, I mean, we have so much work to do and, and things we want to do and we're by no means at our ending point, but um, I think the reason that we are, are so content and happy where we are now is because we've taken a really hard look at what was making us unhappy in some work situations that weren't driving for us, that weren't, that weren't really in alignment with where we were headed. Um, and we took a look at how we could change them to be more in line with what we wanted to do and what our goals were. And that was a hard process. I mean, I, there is a possibility that my boss could have said, you know what, I mean, maybe this isn't time for you to work for this company anymore instead of letting me be freelance. You know, like there were some scary parts of that and big risks that we took, but like at the end of the day, we are able to control our time and do the projects that we want to do um, because of those choices that we made. Um, and kind of piggybacking off of Andrew as well, you know, we've worked for some, some we have some great bosses that I love and, and mentors that we really look, look to for advice and, and guidance, but we've worked for some fucking assholes. And I think that it's, it's what you learn from working for terrible people that makes you a better business owner and a better manager and a better person. Um, but yeah, I think that the, the biggest roadblocks we came up against in our career were just shitty situations that we took stock of and kind of like sussed out and then figured out how to adapt from in a way that was going to move us forward and not just sit on the fact that this was a shitty situation. Right. Being proactive rather than reactive yeah, to your... Yeah, for sure. Well, you said change the environment you're right. in, right? Mm -hmm. Take what, take what's good from it, use it, but shift the environment to, to an, uh, a place where it's more safe. I don't even know if that's the word I'm looking for, but yeah, like where you can actually do use what you've learned and uh, have it have your situation be thriving rather than being stepped on. I guess is is the point. Um, I just I had a question when you guys have been waiting to see if you're going to get like the bid or if you're going to get the gig. Um, or wondering what your boss is going to say when you go and sit down and present to her what you're trying to do. Um, those can obviously, th those can be stressful experiences. Um, 
and I think there's a lot of listeners who go through similar things, whether it's waiting to find out what they got on a grade, wait, trying to figure out which direction to go in when they are unhappy but don't know how to break free of it and how to take that jump. I mean, not big picture, but you guys are going to bed. You're laying awake wondering what is going to happen. How do you deal with it? And do you talk about it? Do you write it down? Do you internalize it? Like, how do you, I guess my point is when something's up in the air that's really decisive for your lives, how do you still go through your day by days? Does that make sense? 7 Eleven pizza and wine. <laughs> um, 7 Eleven pizza? Andrew, hey, it's good, man. Andrew really loves 7 Eleven pizza. Um, uh, <laughs> I, the, this three weeks in January building the Firefly bid is like the worst period of our lives. <laughs> that's, what, that, that's what I'm saying. So, worst. what do you do? So, how do you. How do you uh, put it, kind of compartmentalize it? So, I mean, I, to be honest, um, and I'm sorry to pull this card, but like going back to earlier on in the conversation, we were talking about, you know, going on tour a couple weeks after my father passed away. Doing that, and I think for both of us, also going through that experience and also recognizing that if you just keep putting one foot in front of the other, you know, you'll walk a mile eventually. Like, if you just keep trudging forward as uncomfortable as it is, um, you'll eventually at least get through or, or basically the situation has to work out because it has to one way or another. Yeah. So we just keep stock of the things that we appreciate in our lives and we get up every day and we just keep moving forward because... At the end of the day, we have to have faith that that's going to take us where we need to go. And if that doesn't do that in the immediate, hoping that it does in the long term. Trying to find the value in if you don't get the job or the thing that you really want, because there's been lots of stuff that we've really wanted that seemed perfect and exactly you know going towards where we wanted to go that didn't work out. And at the end of the day, you just have to kind of come to accept that that's not meant for you. And there are other things that are going to come down the line that, yeah, it sucks in the immediate and you feel, we, we just get comfortable feeling shit, not shitty, but like you feel nervous. You're going to feel nervous for those three weeks when you're waiting to hear back. That's okay. Sit in that. But if it doesn't end up going the way that you want it to, that's also okay. That doesn't make you a bad person. That doesn't make you bad at your job. It just means that this wasn't the right circumstance. This wasn't the right opportunity. And then you figure out how to grow from it and you move on. Probably yeah. listen to chocolate croissants. Probably just listen to a bunch of chocolate croissants. Nights. Do you and, and eat chocolate croissants? Um, Drew, I bet you know some good chocolate croissants somewhere. Has oh, that been yeah. on the rider? Um, that hasn't been. I was surprised you guys didn't send me one over on the way here, but <laughs> no way. You guys should have sent us one. Like <laughs> totally. Um, okay, that that's really cool. It's cool to hear that you guys do go through that. But as you said, you just kind of sit in it and you, and you realize too, probably that it's out of your control to some degree. You've done all the work that you could, you've worked as hard as you could put in the bid and now you wait. Right. Um, so, I mean, hopefully there's something to be taken from that. Absolutely. I had a final question. I know the most cliche thing to ask uh, you guys is like, what's the craziest thing that's ever been asked on a rider. So I'm not going to do that. But when I was thinking of some spin to it, I realized I can just ask you, like, what question haven't you been asked that you're surprised hasn't been asked yet? Let's put us on the spot. Do, 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 do. I don't know. 
know. I don't know. That's a hard one. Especially if you're trying to be PG about it. Yeah. You don't Why? have to be PG. Ready? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. I don't know, man. There's uh, a lot of... there's well, a l- being a married couple in the music industry, I'm surprised more people don't ask, and I'm not saying anything has happened, but don't ask, like, do you ever do anything in somebody's dressing room? Um, I think that... Never mind. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything crazy that you guys would put on that you haven't seen for you two, if you two were doing the show? Wait. I have an even better way to ask that question. What's your rider? Mm-hmm. Ah, uh, we know this one. Give me, give me like, give me five to ten rider items. Milagro Silver Tequila. Yep. Okay. Um, an espresso machine with pods. Okay. Diet Peach Snapple. That's three. Andrew's against that one. Uh, it's Gotta the big keep one. the lady happy. We're gonna Go eat, wait, wait, wait. We're gonna let you each do this, by the way. So don't even worry about okay. Andrew. Okay. Um. Ooh. Fresh salsa, like pico de gallo salsa, with some like grocery store fried up tortilla chips and a bottle of Cholula. Done. So that's it. That's, that's it. all you need on your ride. That's all I need. Because honestly, if I was going out on tour, I would have an assistant. And now as a dressing room person, if there's anything embarrassing or really specific that I need, I would send out my assistant. So the dressing room person doesn't Somebody's need to know bad my and business. Bougie. Got it. That's all I have to say. Okay, Andrew, give us give us your list. Uh, there's going to be a good bit of overlap here, but definitely some Milagro. Um, awesome, you know, good chips, fresh salsa. Uh, probably, I'd say a little bit of charcuterie, just because I know it makes. <laughs> What's your favorite kind of meat for charcuterie? Do you have a Do you have mm. a preference? Like I like mortadella. Oof, I mean it's not even really right. like charcuterie kind of meat, but it's just it's good. Old Italian meat. I <laughs> like uh, <laughs> like sopracetta, like just something with a little bit more spice to it. Okay. Um, Have you guys ever um, gone to De Pasquale's down in Baltimore? Absolutely. To provide for your clients? Yeah, there as well as um, right down the road from here, parts, parts and labor. labor. Parts and, and labor. They do an awesome. Um, oh gosh, it's come back to me. The beef tartare burger. The the chicken feet. They do. They do like. Um, they do like a lamb sub. Like, they do some oh, sausages. Yeah, um, it's a. It's a lamb prosciutto. Oh, yeah. The lamb prosciutto, right? Yeah. I will say, as a side note, this job has made us have the most ridiculously expensive tastes. It's the worst. Right. I would imagine so. <laughs> oh, yeah, All right, Hannah, so I have. I, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was finish. saying, Hannah, I think left off of her rider uh, either diptyque or oh, Joe Malone candles. Really, like. <laughs> It's famous people like really fancy candles, like okay. seventy-five, eighty-dollar a thing candles. Those are the greatest. If I could ask yeah. for, are that. these like scented candles, almost like Yankee they or s- oh, like it, b- same kind of thing? Yes, but, but there's there's two specific brands. That and what are they again? Diptyque and Joe Malone. Diptyque and Joe Malone. I'm there's those. one candle that I have to buy that has the essence of fifteen hundred rosebuds in one candle. Wow. It it sounds really stupid, but it sounds, sm- it smells like sounds $65. like you know what you're doing for your anniversary, <laughs> Andrew. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. That's what I ask for for my birthday every year. He's gonna <laughs> he's gonna set up a room, 
right? Mm-hmm. And with 1,500 rose petals Absolutely. and the candle in the center and see if it, we can turn it into 3,000 rose petals. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> That's right, with um, myself. <laughs> and then I, so a little, little bit of Harmless Harvest Coconut Water, going with that. And okay. Then, um, Har- huh? He said, "No, no." He said, har- um, harmless, "Harmless harvest, harvest coconut <laughs> water, yeah. which is great." And and yeah. is it true that with with that brand of mm-hmm. well, with any coconut water, the more pink it is, the better? Is that correct? So it, it's interesting because it's not all that much of a rarity anymore. As harmless harvest has become more popular, you see much more pink, and I'm not sure if that's because they figured out how to process it in a way that it does that. But it, it's because it is a raw coconut water there's some sort of i believe uh, bacteria in there it's or delicious it, it's phenomenal it's so, so good, good. Yeah. yeah i've had it it's so expensive but it's so worth it yeah <laughs> it's it is quite good they, they have a weird like bottle shape now it's also another weird thing i love packaging design and so the bottle now like twists but i'll still drink it it's delicious we also were weird side note we're taking a an basically taking off three and a half weeks in January and going to Thailand. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that we love that harmless harvest <laughs> coconut water so much. I just want a coconut and chop the top off and, right. and figure out whether or not it tastes as good as harmless. I harvest. buy, yeah. I buy those coconuts at fresh market every now and then. Great. And it's great. You just, yeah, hack it away, make a big mess, but then the inside's awesome. All right. I have a question just going along this line for you, Andrew. Go for it. What is your favorite dark chocolate? Favorite brand of, of dark chocolate. If, if an artist said premium dark chocolate on the rider, that's all they said. They didn't right. give you a brand. What would you, uh, what, were, what would be like two or three brands that you would offer? And I know Justin likes this question too. Right. Um, I'm, it might be a little old school, but I'm actually a really big fan of uh, Lint. Okay. I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. Matt hates it. I was going to say, don't say lit. <laughs> yeah. See, and and the thing is that I don't even, I don't even really love their their dark chocolate, but their milk chocolate is so freaking good. So anyway, so by brand association, big fan of that. Um, green and blacks is usually pretty classic. I mean, you have to remember with with dress rooms and all that. Like I I have to toe a fine line between finding things that I really love and also finding things that will be to a certain extent, brand recognizable or attractive because the most that you can glean about it when you come in is, do I know it or does it look good? Um, so say for, let's say I'm getting a bottle of wine, does the label look good? And that's not always indicative of if it's a, a good bottle of wine, but your perception of that is something that is uh, pretty important. Um, as important as the aesthetic, I imagine that you still have to keep to a budget at some point, right? You can't just go blow can you blow a, a $12 chocolate bar just because it said it was made next to volcanic ash in Depends. Hawaii? Yeah. It, we came from a place where, and this is different for other people, um, we're talking about the people who do our job, uh, on a scale, when you talk about someone who works for a club where they're bringing in an act that maybe didn't sell out the whole room, they're not going to want to provide the whole rider. But we were lucky to provi- to do stadium shows, to do national tours where people are definitely uh, deserving of their full rider. So we were able to kind of have the space of digging into that side of it. So we do go all out. Um, Andrew, one year for Firefly, had four uh, raw juices shipped with dry ice from L.A. because a specific band wanted that juice. And we spent, I think, $150 on, like, 
had to be four bottles of juice. And that's just what it was because the artist wanted it, you know? Um, it's not always like that, but it, it definitely can get to that point for sure. Do you two get to do the shop together or is this something that Andrew goes meticulously through and then does a lot of the shop or the organization for? Because mm-hmm. it seems like this would be team building. This would be super fun. It would be a cute date to go on that you guys can be like, yeah, let's go shop. And then you find all these things. You end up, you end up finding all these things and you go, wow, this is amazing. Let's get these for ourselves. We have to have a couple of these around. We right. save a lot on our grocery bill because we get to take home a lot of extra shit, which is also great. But yeah, um, yeah we love Wegmans. We lo- we are odd in the fact that we love grocery shopping. Wait, I've seen you two at Wegmans yeah. shopping <laughs> for a ride, right? That's yeah. great. This see, this part would be Justin's dream. <laughs> this is this is like your dream to, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, I went back. I went back to school to be a dietitian because I like wandering the grocery mm-hmm. store. I mm-hmm. love. I like. I'm huge on aesthetics. So when I buy wine, I don't know anything about wine. Wegmans has $4 bottle of wines. You know, it's like $6, a $6 bottle of wine. If it looks really good, <laughs> go for it. Yep. Yeah, Jordan over yeah. here looks like he has a question. What do you guys think of my wine? <laughs> Fucking dark horse. It's delicious. I'm actually surprisingly, I, I, I like it actually. It's pretty nice. That's actually from that liquor store next to Wegmans. Oh. Yeah. It's a good one. It's bad. Like, people at Wegmans, uh, knew us by name and like I don't know how I guess because we shop there so frequently and mm-hmm. we would utilize the same uh, shopper card we ended up on the list every year at the end of the year as the 10 top purchasers wow. so Wegmans would send us a Christmas gift <laughs> wow. that has like an Italian uh, spice set and a cheesecake coupon and a $50 gift card because you spend so much money in their store and like People knew us. It was kind of embarrassing and kind of cool. And a lot of times people either think that we have 17 kids or we're extreme couponers, which we're both alcoholics. sound really cool. Um, but when we went away and we would go grocery shopping at Wegmans when we weren't doing rider shops, people would be like, what are you doing? Where's like the rest of the carts that you have to check out? And so uh, it was fun to kind of get back into the swing of things and get into shopping at Wegmans again more. But we try to do it together. Andrew does the majority of it now because I'm so busy with uh, other events, but but yeah. Nothing says we appreciate your customer loyalty than a cheesecake coupon. I agree. I totally agree. I think your mom's really pissed that we uh, we don't share that with her anymore. Wow. Right. We're gonna I'm, don't answer that, Andrew. Um, but I was gonna say hashtag relationship goals because <laughs> I wanna I wanna go shop at Wegmans. Stealing from your mom. <laughs> Matt and I are going to try to get in that top ten list together. Yeah, I mean, I it's a cool, can. it's a cool club to be in, guys. That's my, that's that's the relationship goal. That's what yeah. I'm saying. We our, can be, we can. Our relationship goal. Any. Do, do you share a phone number on your shopper's card? Mm-hmm. We should. We should, should do that. We do should. Now. We will. Cool. We share. That's the goal. We share more than you just have to us. aggregate multiple people. I will say, shout out to Andrew's mom. She also utilized that that card or that number. So when she shopped at Wegmans, she was adding to our total. She has claim on that cheesecake too. I'm a jerk. So the lesson there is to make sure that your moms are all. Oh on yeah. Your no, my mom. My mom gets my gas rewards at Giant. That's like our goal. That's our. That's our. Our. Uh, our deal. Pay it forward. Pay yeah, it forward. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Jordan. So let's take this home. It's take diving home. off a fucking cliff right now. So I I loved this this uh, this conversation. It was really cool for me to hear from you guys more detail into what you do. I knew what I've known what you guys have been doing for a long time. We've crossed paths. I feel like 
working somewhere. I don't remember where it was, but, um, and obviously I've known you guys for a while anyway, but yeah, it's just so cool to, to see what goes into it. Having worked with many people that do your job in, at, at different festivals and things like that. Um, I always have this very high level of respect for these people because for people like yourselves, because you're working with some of the most particular people in the world. And I don't know if I have the patience to deal with that. So I have the utmost respect for you guys, because I think at the core of what you do, um, you have to exercise this, this immense sense of patience and listening really well. And like being on, being able to, uh, understand that almost, um, sort of interpret other people's needs and that I just, I, I just respect it a lot. So hopefully other people do that as well. And hopefully you guys don't get shit on ever because that'd be rude, <laughs> you know? So there you go. So Jordan. So we will wrap this up because you too, Andrew and Hannah, you have to like go to work now, even though it's past 10 PM. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. that, that goes into that. Uh, we, I think we call it a site date. Yeah. We're on, yeah. on site having a date together. Uh huh. Yep. Yep. That's, that's, I mean, I guess that's the most positive way to put it. So I'll go with that. (laughs) So I always take notes during these interviews. And a lot of that is to pull audio clips. So to kind of know where the the time cue is and even just quotes to put on the graphics. I have written like double the amount than I ever have with you guys. So well done on that. You guys were incredible guests. We really appreciate you guys taking the time during like a work night for you to be here. Um, and it w- you you two were one of the, uh, the the guests that we all immediately agreed on having. So we're very happy to have done this with you guys. Um, I want to give uh, both of you respect equally, Andrew, for being uh, seems like an incredible husband who uh, elevates his woman every day. Um, Hannah, I want to offer you respect for using bananas as an adjective twice in this podcast. Oh. <laughs> and for Coco Hospitality, uh, for having like like a, a nice story and brand and personality that I can see why people come back to you time and time again. So much respect to you guys. Uh, For everyone listening, we want to offer you our respect uh, and sincere, uh, a sincere thank you for your attention as always. Uh, Next week, we're going to have a really, really unique and amazing guest. His name is Daniel. He's a veteran. Uh, He has gone through drug addiction. He just had one of his arms completely removed surgically. Uh, He is an incredible guy that Justin met in his nutrition program. It's a very, very inspiring story of someone who's had incredible lows, uh, but his resilience uh, is, is so inspiring to me, and we're very excited Um, to share his story with all of you. Um, Again, we have a Facebook group. The engagement in this past week has been amazing. Uh, Facebook.com slash groups slash chocolate croissants. If you've been thinking about joining, seriously, fucking do it. We'll accept you. You don't have to engage right away. Just check out the engagement that is going on in these conversations. And if you feel comfortable introduce yourself, and maybe find ways uh, to chime in in these conversations. Even if you want to start your own thread, as many do every single day, we think you'll find a lot of value in it. If you have found value in these episodes, we want to ask something very simple of, of you. If you have an iPhone in your hand right now or in your pocket, if you could take it out 
there's an app that you can't avoid. It's called Podcasts. If you type in chocolate croissants on the top right, there's a button that says subscribe. If you hit that, you will get every one of our episodes every single Monday morning to start your week with. Uh, the downloads versus just simple streams actually helps us a lot. And uh, if you'd be willing to subscribe, we'd appreciate that. Uh, you can also rate and review in iTunes or Apple Podcasts. That helps us tremendously as well. Uh, again, we want to thank Andrew. We want to thank Hannah. Cohen is their last name. CocoHospitality.com. The web, we're, we're also kind of in a weird spot. Thankfully, we've been very busy and we're really crappy at social media and our online presence. So disclaimer on that, we're working on it. We're going to get around to it. But our, our website's not quite there. So don't judge us super Wait, harshly. No, no, no. I was on it. Prepping yeah. for this. It's fucking beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> no, honestly, like, and, and I actually regret not bringing it up, but your website is like super professional and the Thank written you. copy is very effective. So well done. The pictures are great. And oh, all yeah. these little things, <laughs> just like the attention to detail that you guys, you know, provide in your service uh, with the hospitality, all these things add up uh, to get you the business that you've guys been getting uh, day in and day out. So well done and much respect on that. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, to those of you listening, well done for making it this far. Uh, join us in the Facebook group this week. Uh, next week, we will be back here in your podcast app of choice. And until then... Bye-bye. <laughs>